That was uh, that was good stuff, Lindsay. That that whole family can just flat out sing. That is that is good. Um, I was really hoping there would probably be at least about a thousand here tonight. Once the word got out that I was going to be preaching, uh, I th- I think we have the best of the best here tonight. Though um, I want to, uh, I'll start out. I'll tell you what the title of my message was since it didn't. Uh, it didn't really get out. It's, the title is Love, What It Is, and What It Ain't, okay? And I know that's not, uh, that's not good grammar, but I think you'll see as we progress tonight that it's, uh, it's good theology. Um, I got the podium up here, uh, mainly so I can bang when I want to make a point. Uh, I wish I was good enough like Clayton where I could kind of wander away from my notes out here to the outer edges, but I'm not, uh, I'm not there yet. Uh, I thank y'all for uh, letting me preach. Uh, unfortunately for y'all, the only way a preacher can get better is that he preaches. So uh, I appreciate y'all's patience. Um, I, want to, uh, I want to start out just real quickly in a verse that I uh, read in my studies this week. It was actually part of a homework assignment. And uh, it's in Luke 24, 30 through 32. Uh, and the context of this is Jesus has been crucified and resurrected, and he's walking with two guys, and he ends up eating with them. And uh, the funny part is they don't even know that it's Jesus that, 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 that they're walking with and that they're eating with until the very end when he reveals himself to them. And it goes like this. When he was at the table, this is talking about Jesus, uh, when he was at the table with him, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight, and they said to each other, Did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Okay? I read that. I started off with that verse tonight because I want, as we listen to God's word, man, I want it to just burn in our hearts. I want the Holy Spirit to just... Let the Holy Spirit just do his thing with us tonight as we, as we talk about love. If, it needs, if there needs to be some conviction tonight, which honestly there should be, I think if, we, if I'm doing my job tonight, if there is some, uh, just some prodding to obedience from the Holy Spirit, I want him to just run free tonight in my words and in your heart um, as I speak tonight. Uh, another point is, and this is kind of funny, I came across this illustration I, as I was preparing, and it's the difference between knowledge and wisdom, okay? The difference between knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge says, uh, knowledge is this, knowing that a tomato is a fruit, okay? And wisdom is knowing better than to put that tomato in a fruit salad, okay? Some of the people over here think that's funny. Some of you younger folks like, fruit salad, what's a I don't even like fruit salad. Um, let me start tonight. I just want to. I want to pray, and I really want the Holy Spirit to to be able to move in here tonight. So let me let me start out by praying. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the ability to be up here and to preach your word. I really, really do. And uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would just speak through me. None of my words would be my words, but they would all be come from you. And, Lord, I pray that your spirit would just be free to reign and to rule tonight. 
in the hearts of the people that are sitting out here. And, uh, Lord, that we would just leave here, not with knowledge, Lord, but with wisdom. And, uh, Lord, just, just move in this place, and we thank you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we hear, I'm going to get into the text here in just a minute, but as we hear some stuff tonight that I think is good, my, I might be, might, might be biased on my part, but I think it's going to be good, um, my hope and my prayer is that we would not simply let this be knowledge, but that it would be wisdom. I think for, uh, if I were to come up with a good saying that knowledge becomes wisdom when it becomes application in our lives, right? It just doesn't turn from knowledge into wisdom until we put feet to it, until we apply it, right? Okay, so tonight I'm going to be in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 7. And a lot of you may, when you see this, may recognize this and, uh, you may have seen this at a wedding. This may even, they may even have read this in your wedding. Uh, but I want to talk to it about tonight with regards to the context of how Paul talked about it. And that is this, that love is absolutely the most important thing in the life of the believer. Um, I'll give you a little context before we get into this verse. Paul's writing this letter to the church in Corinth. And the church in Corinth is this sort of young, sort of hip church. And however, with their youngness, um, they have a lot of zeal, but a lot of their zeal is sort of misguided and misplaced. And Paul's writing this letter to them as a bit of a rebuke. And uh, he's saying, listen, guys, you're, you're fighting over the wrong things because they were fighting over, well, my gift, my spiritual gift is better than your spiritual gift. Well, I talk in tongues. Well, how come you don't talk in tongues? And, and so they were all over the place. And Paul writes them this letter and says, listen, all of you are wrong. If your spiritual gifts are not coupled and just sort of drenched with love, then, you, then they're useless, and you're all missing out, okay? So Paul gives a little bit of a stinging rebuke to them. Let's read it here, and he's going to tell us what love is and what love is not. I won't say ain't anymore. All right, verse 4, love is patient, love is kind, it does not envy, uh, it does not boast. It is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. So I think in, in these verses, Paul is trying to explain, listen, this is what love looks like. And then over here, this is, this is not what love looks like. Okay, and I think God, through Paul, talks to us kind of like kids, you know, kind of like we need to be talked to, because if given the chance, God knows we'll screw it up, right? And so uh, Paul says, okay, this is what it is, and this is what it isn't. You just need to be loving people, okay? And I, I can sort of sympathize with this because with my kids, I tend to do this, especially with matters of obedience. You'll say, okay, I want you to mind me, okay, in this aspect, this is what it looks like, right? And over here, this is what it doesn't look like. So when you do this, you're not obeying, right? And that's kind of what Paul's, Paul's doing here. Um, I want to do something that I think is maybe a little bit awkward tonight for y'all. So it'd be fun for me to listen to y'all. But 
I, I want us to read this verse as a church, and everywhere you see the word love, okay, I want you to plug your name in. And everywhere you see the word it, which is also referring to the word love, I want you to plug your name in it. Okay, so this is going to be kind of weird, but what it's going to do is make this verse a little bit more personal to us. Okay, so if you're not doing it, I'm going to point you out. I'm watching. Let's get started. Verse 4, and I, I won't say my name real loud so y'all can, but I'm, I'm going to participate also. Okay, Jeremy is patient. Jeremy is kind. Jeremy does not envy. Jeremy does not boast. Jeremy is not proud. Jeremy does not dishonor others. Jeremy is not self-seeking. Jeremy is not easily angered. Jeremy keeps no record of wrongs. Jeremy does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. Jeremy always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. I didn't really hear anybody's name being called out. I know y'all could hear my name. So that was quite convicting for me and a little bit awkward. But, uh, but that's, that's okay. Did that make that verse a little bit personal to you? Did you kind of see, okay, yeah, I'm not, I do that, but I don't do this. And that was my goal behind that. Uh, one of the best ways that we can know that we're a Christ follower is the evidence that God is making us more loving. And I say making us more loving because it, it, it is a process, I believe. Um, it's a natural progression as we mature, as we allow the Holy Spirit to kind of work in our life, as we read the Bible, as we get into the Scripture, there's a natural progression for us to love others. Um, tonight I want to look at some personal areas that are in our lives that we may sort of struggle with as, with regard to loving people. Um, as we do this, let's keep in mind the words of Paul, you know, and that, that sort of awkward thing that we just did. Let's keep that in mind in our heads. Um, I've got four statements, and I derive these four statements from the verses that we just read. Uh, I initially started out, I was going to go through sort of each element that we just read. We don't have two hours for me to do that, so I kind of shrunk it down and condensed it, and maybe we can get out of here within an hour. Um, so my, I got four statements. First two are what love is not. Okay, and again, I'm not, I did derive these from the verse that we just read, and the second two are what love is. So let me, uh, let me read them. We'll get started. Uh, the first one is love is not hate. Okay? It's pretty profound. I bet you're like, I'm glad I showed up tonight for this. Seminaries guys got, really got it going on here. Uh, trust me, we're going to work it out. Love is not indifference. That's number two. Love has pure motives. Okay, and number four. I hope you're taking notes. I'm going slow. Love leads people to Jesus. That's my favorite part. I saved it for last. All right, number one. It's going to be the tough one. Love is not hate. Um, let, let me lay this out first. There seems to be this disconnect, all right, between, especially biblically, what we know is right and true and correct in the life of the believer, but there seems to be this disconnect between what actually happens in our life. Wouldn't we agree with that? Um, I would, I'll say this. Uh, in 1 John 3.15, I think, I think we've got this. This is, this is some tough verse right here. Anyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life in him. That's some serious stuff there. That's, 
mildly convicting. Um, anytime, I'll say this, anytime that you read something like that, a passage in the Bible, and it says, if you do this, you are not a believer, we probably ought to highlight that, kind of write that down, store that back in our, in our uh, book of well-known thoughts. Um, Jonathan Swift, uh, I came across this quote uh, from Jonathan Swift. He uh, wrote uh, Gulliver, Gulliver's Travels, and he says, We have just enough religion to make us hate, but not enough religion to make us love. And I would say that's probably, uh, that's probably accurate. I would probably change it to this. I think we've got plenty of religion. We don't have enough Jesus, you know? Amen? Um, if I want to say this next statement with as much love as I can muster given the topic, and I'll say this before, is uh, I think we are a loving church. Some of the best people I know in Ruston go to this church, and I think we do a real good job at, at loving people in this church. I know when I first started coming here that I, I was... That was the reason I came here is because I felt accepted and loved. Okay, but I do want to say this because I, na- I think it needs to be said. If you're a racist and a bigot and you go to this church, okay, it, please don't tell anybody that you go here, okay? I'm just saying, if in one word, in one breath, you've got some kind of off-color comment or a racist joke, and then in the next comment, you're talking about Wednesday night or at, at First Baptist or, hey, why don't you come to Sunday school with me? You can kind of see where that may go bad for us. If you uh, do these things, all you do is make our church weaker. Um, you make it that much harder for the people in, in this church that are trying to lead people to Jesus. Amen? Um, I think the evidence of a church's ability to love shows up in the diversity of the members of the church. I really do, because we, we have trouble just in general with loving people that are different than us, right? I think we do a good job in this church. We have a fairly diverse church, different income levels, different skin colors, different education levels, um, just kind of, we're just kind of all over the board. And I think that speaks to the way this church loves. Um, when we love like Jesus calls us to love, it transcends all that stupid stuff, you know, that, that gets in the way of, of good ministry and good churches. Uh, so I'll say this, love is not hate, but let me speak to another issue of hate. Uh, when, if we're not careful, we'll okay, kind of keep a rein on our tongue as far as our hate, but we'll still have our hate up here in our thoughts. And that's very important. Matthew fifteen nineteen says this, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. That's a pretty lengthy list of some pretty bad stuff right there. And he, you know what he kicks it off with? Evil thoughts. 
I, th- I thought it would be cool tonight. I've got a machine here that I'm going to let Wayne do since he's probably the biggest staff member. I'm going to let him. We're going to invite somebody up here, and we're going to stick that thing. It's like a hat, and we're going to stick it on top of your head. All right, and it's going to project the thoughts from the week up here. Okay, just if you think this doesn't apply to you, we're going to stick that head, and we're going to stick that thing on your head first, and then we're all going to eat popcorn, and we're going to watch your thoughts from the week. Okay, who would sign up for that? I wouldn't. I don't want y'all knowing my business. I dang sure don't want y'all knowing my thoughts, right? So I think we all can kind of struggle with that. Um, Let me say this. If you have a sort of a consistent pattern of judging other people's, other people, and if it, it may not be that you verbally, you know, are judging, but we judge up here just to be safe because we don't want people to think bad about us. So we'll confine our judgment to up here. Um, That's sin, and that's hate. Uh, Let me give you two ways that we tend to do this. Uh, The first is, and I I spoke to this, we judge people that are different than us, don't we? You kind of see that in the people that we hang out. We tend to flock towards people that are like us. Um, Let me tell you how we do this. And it's both ends of the spectrum here, white, black, um, skinny, not so skinny, you know what I'm saying? Both ends of the spectrum tend to judge one another. Um, your education level, PhD, GED, you know, both, both ends of the spectrum. Um, the rich and the poor. Here's one for you, the Republicans and the Democrats. I mean, don't even get me started with that. Um, how about this, with our kids? And there's a lot of judging between our kids and other kids, what school they go to, their athletic ability. You know, my kid can ball, yours can't. Um, Worship styles, we tend to do that too. You know, whether you raise your hand, clap your hands, sit on your hands, that tends to, you know, both ends of the spectrum tend to judge the other. Um, Second point in which we, we judge, we tend to judge people that don't have the same struggles that we do. Um, let me see if I can kind of articulate this. There's somebody in the church that is struggling with alcoholism, okay? And we don't, you know, you don't struggle with that. So you're like, I can't believe they have that sin in their life, that problem. That, that is so sad and so bad, you know, what a terrible, what a terrible sin to have. You know, rather than come, coming alongside that person and loving them and saying, hey, can, how can I pray for you? You know, and I, my heart goes out to you. We'd rather just kind of sit back and judge. Um, how, about, how about this? How about for the guy that has the porn addiction? It happens. You know, are we going to be the people that sit back and, you know, we're just like, oh, I don't even want to be around this guy. Man, it happens. It's out there. We're going to just judge him with our thoughts from a distance, or we're we going to come alongside him and love him and say, man, I love you, and I want to be with you in the struggle, and I want to pray for you, and I want you to know I'm here. Um, how, about, how about this? How about the family that has the wayward child? You know what I'm talking about? You know, the kid that maybe goes away to college and just kind of twists off and doesn't go to church and gets into alcohol or drugs. We're going to be the, we're going to be the people that, that kind of stand back and say, you know, it must be something you did. You didn't raise them right. If you'd have done that, they wouldn't have, you know, they wouldn't have gone off like they did. You can't, you can't do that. 
that's judging and that's hateful. You need to come alongside these people and say, I, I love you, and I want to be a part of praying for this child. Um, how about this? There's always seems to be this family in the church that just goes through just times, and it'll be whole seasons of just, you know, bad times, you know, whether it be sickness or whether it be, you know, just, just anything. There just tends to be that family that, that, that goes through. Are we loving those people? Are we coming beside those people as a church and saying, man, I want to pray for you. I love you. If there's anything you need, let me do that. Are we the people that step back and say, oh, there must be sin in the life of that family? You know, God's, you know, God's kind of pouring the wrath out on them. They need to get right, and everything will turn out all right for them. You know, that, even if we think that, that's bad stuff. Um, all, all these thoughts that we just went over are hate, and all these are sin in the eyes of God. Um, our problem tends to be this, that we think just because we think we have thoughts like this, that it's okay as long as we don't ver- verbalize them. Um, but Jesus, th- Jesus says this. This is a little convicting, too. You think lustful thoughts and you're married. If you think lustful thoughts, you're an adulterer. Okay, that kind of brings in to, you know, how God thinks about our, just our thoughts. The only way that we change our thoughts is by allowing God to change our hearts. Our thoughts begin in our heart. Okay, just remember this. Love is not hate. That, that was a long first point. It's, okay, I'm going to have to hurry. Second point, love is not indifference. Matthew eleven sixteen through 17. But to what shall I compare this generation? It is like children sitting in the marketplace and calling to their playmates. And he says, we played the flute for you and you did not dance and we sang a dirge and you did not mourn. Jesus, while he had his ministry on this earth, appealed to people to follow him. He cast out demons and healed people. He spoke with power and conviction. And still, there were people that were indifferent to his message. And you know what the problem is? And it's the same problem today, that people's indifference affects their eternity. Right? Um. I came across some quotes. Uh, I love quotes because they kind of put, you know, things into context that I could never say. So it, uh, this speaks to indifference in the, in the life of the believer. The opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. The opposite of art is not ugliness. It's indifference. The opposite of faith is not heresy. It's indifference. The opposite of life is not death. It's indifference. That makes sense. Kind of puts it in, into perspective. Uh, Albert Einstein says this: "The world is a dangerous place, not because of those who do evil, but of, because of those who look on and do nothing." I would say that barring our thoughts, this is where a lot of us tend to fall short. Um, outwardly, we're just kind of plain old indifferent with regard to who we show our love to. Um. Let me draw a correlation from the scriptures here, and I'll paraphrase all this. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll obey my commands. Okay? And then after that, he says, um, if the greatest two commandments are this, that you love God and you love people. Okay? If you love me, you'll obey my commands. Two greatest commands, 
loving God, and loving people. Okay, when we're indifferent with who we love, uh, we're, we're in disobedience to God, basically. It's, it's sin. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, well, if you can't get along with them, at least at the very minimum, just be indifferent to them. Right? It doesn't, God doesn't let us off easy like that. Um, indifference never made a friend, never encouraged anyone, never made a church better. Does that make sense? Never told anybody about Jesus, never invited anybody to church. If you're indifferent, you've never taken the time to disciple anyone. Um, I'll say this. People that are indifferent, that we sort of in the church realm, they have a, a term for that, and they're called consumers. And so if you're indifferent about who you love, if you're not inviting people to this church, if you're not reaching out and loving folks because you want to see them come to Christ, um, then why are you here? Are you just taking up a pew? Are you loving folks? <clears throat> Let me tell you about it. This is kind of what I've derived about in, in different people. We tend to, if we're indifferent, we tend to love the people who are in our family. Um, we'll love our kids or our grandkids or we'll love our spouse sometimes. Um, but if you're outside that circle with an indifferent person, you're out of luck. You're absolutely out of luck. The Bible says this about people that are indifferent about loving others. Luke six thirty two through 33. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even the sinner love those who love them. Um, let, let me try to articulate this the best I can. I think that at first, um, as you become a Christian, there's a lot of indifference in your life. But as you allow the Holy Spirit to work in your life, um, you become less and less indifferent, hopefully. And if this is not the case, if you're not becoming more loving as you grow spiritually, then I got news for you. You're not growing spiritually. You know, it's, pretty, it's a pretty easy dynamic to figure out. Um, I want to give you a cure for indifference. It is time in the Word of God, letting the Word of God just kind of pour over your heart and change your life. And when you couple that with prayer, I'm talking about daily, just intimate prayer. And prayer, all prayer is is talking to God. When you do that, it's going to change your, God's going to change your indifference into love. Uh, number three, real, real quickly, love always has pure motives. And again, God's not letting us off the hook easy. Uh, Galatians 1.10, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God, or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Um, for the maturing believer, this tends to be the next step for us. Um, we understand, hey, I need to be loving people. I need to be sharing the gospel. Um, I need to be giving my thoughts to God. And we do this, and we have a desire to share the gospel, and we maybe hand out a track or talk to some of those easier people in our lives, you know, not the people that will eat us, but, you know, these other uh, simpler people that we're trying to lead to Christ, and we have convictions, and we begin to act on them, all right? And maybe God's making us more loving, but here's where we tend to fall short. Our motives for loving people are not correct. 
Um, true biblical love always has pure motives. Let me give you a list of impure motives. I love lists. They're easy to write down. Uh, loving people so that you receive the praise. Anybody guilty of that? It's easy to do. Uh, seeking the approval of others. How about this one? This is a little more difficult. Keeping unholy guilt at bay. Does that make sense? Loving people so you can check a box to feel better about yourself? Uh, how about this? The what's in it for me syndrome. You ever loved anybody for what you could get out of that relationship? You know, we do that in high school, right? <laughs> the motives behind our love matters to God so that they should matter to us. Um, one of the hardest things that we have to do in the life of the Christian is to identify these impure motives. And I'm going to go back to exactly the same solution that we just talked about in this. You've got to be in the Word daily if you want the Holy Spirit to bring forth these impure motives in your life. If you want to identify them, there's no better way than being in the Word and praying daily. Okay, number four. I'm rolling here. Love leads people to Jesus. This is my favorite part. I'm excited about it. Can you tell? Uh, John 13, 34 through 35. A new command I give to you. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You ever heard the expression that people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care? You ever heard that? Man, isn't that true? You know, the best evangelism tool we have is love. You don't have to be an eloquent speaker. You don't have to know the Bible through and through. You don't have to quote Romans, okay? All we got to do is love. You know, people get so, oh, I can't, you know, I can't tell people about the gospel. It's, it's you know, love them. Man, just love them. Um, I have a charge for us as a church tonight. Let's be a church that loves. Please, let's do that. Let's, let's be a church that loves supernaturally, that loves like Jesus loves. Um, let's love people that have different skin color. Let's love people that have different income levels than we do. Let's love people that have different education levels that we do. How about this? Let's love people that have different denominations than we do, different religions than we do. Let's love those folks that are hard to love. Anybody, anybody y'all got those people in your life? They're just, and they're just hard to love. Bible doesn't tell us to stop there. Let's love those people that make us feel awkward. You got those people in your life you're kind of embarrassed to be around. You're like, yeah, I have trouble being around them. How, how am I going to love them? You know, he calls us out on that. Um, Let's love those people that struggle with sin, you know, the sins that we don't, you know, those unfashionable sins. You know, let's, let's love those folks too. Um, remember that according to Jesus, it's all about loving God and loving people. And you can't say, you can't sit in here tonight and say, oh, I love Jesus, I love Jesus. I just can't stand people. You know, you can't be that guy. Um, I, I've got, I want to close with two points here tonight. Um, First of all, love is not this thing that we just sort of muster up, that we, that we say, okay, I'm going to get disciplined, and I'm going to start loving. 
And love is not this thing that we say, okay, uh, through behavioral modification, Brandon knows about this, through behavioral modification, you know, I'm going to change the way that I uh, appeal to people, the way that I love to people. It's not this disciplined thing that we can muster up. Listen, love comes from God, and the only way we get God is through Jesus Christ. Amen? Okay. Uh, this, the, second, the second thing. Um, there may be people here tonight that you have people in your life that have wronged you, and I don't even pretend to even know about that. Okay, the way that we unlock love and, uh, and unlock God in our life's ability to give us love is when, when we forgive. Okay, and you may say, Jeremy, you don't understand. You're right, I don't. Okay, but God understands. Okay, and he, he, all he wants you to do is to come to him and allow him to give you the strength to forgive that person. And when you do that, it unlocks your ability to love that person. Um, I'd, like to, uh, I'd like to go ahead and close in prayer. I know I'm running out of time here. I want to close in prayer, and I want to pray for uh, the, our church, and I want to pray for two different people groups that I think are here tonight. So let's, um, let's bow our heads in prayer. If you're here tonight and maybe you've heard this message um, several times in your church career, but uh, tonight something has clicked with you, and there's that, uh, there's that burning in your heart that we talked about at the beginning, and God's telling you it's, it's time. It's time to make a decision. Or maybe you're here tonight and you have hate in your heart, the Bible says that God is love, and you can't have hate in your heart and be a Christian. If God is love and Jesus is in your heart, um, there's, there's no room for things like racism and bigotry. And I'll tell you what, the great news is that Christ died for all our sins and all sinners, and he forgives us and washes us clean from all unrighteousness. If you want Jesus to be Lord of your life, I would ask you to just pray this prayer with me. Jesus, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior, and I believe that you died on the cross for my sins, and I believe that God raised you from death. I ask that you come into my life Forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I love you. If you're here tonight and you have no doubts about your salvation, but tonight the Holy Spirit has just been kind of running you through the ringer, I would ask you this of you. If your heart is on fire with conviction and maybe you have unconfessed sin that needs to be dealt with, maybe it's indifference to loving people, Maybe it's wrong motives. Whatever it is, let's confess of it, repent of it. Let's turn from it. It's time to walk in the joy of your salvation and the forgiveness of Christ. God, I thank you for each person that's here tonight. And I pray that if there's someone here tonight that believed and received Jesus Christ for the first time, 
that you'd give them the boldness to profess what their decision that they made tonight publicly. And Jesus, I thank you that we as believers can stand here on a Sunday night in your house and be convicted by God that by God that loves us, that we can stand here tonight and be forgiven of the sins that we confess. Thank you, Jesus, for dying so that we may live. God, I pray that you would help us as a church to love like Jesus loved. Help us to love like crazy. Help us not to hate, not to be indifferent, but to love like Jesus loves. We pray this in your beautiful name. Amen. There's going to be um, ministers up here. If you made a decision tonight or you need to talk to somebody or if you need to come up here and just do some business, get down on your knees and do some business, uh, I pray that you would do that.